Lord, we just thank you for these next few moments as we look at your word this morning. I pray you'd speak to us. I pray you'd challenge us. I pray your word would transform us. I pray we would become the disciples that you're calling us to be, the church that you're coming back for, church that stands strong in all seasons. And Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you. We open our ears to hear this morning what you want to speak to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may take a seat this morning. Welcome to those that are joining us online this morning as well. Great to have you with us and welcome to everybody that's in the room. Give someone a punch in the kidneys next to you and say welcome. (laughs) Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will the sign of your coming and the end of the age be? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So follow on to that. I want to read from 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2. It says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation." I don't know whether there's been a time in history 
where there has been more voices than the times that we live right now, telling us many different things. We have just taken, for example, the pandemic that we have experienced over the last two years. We have experienced some crazy voices, extreme voices from all points of view. Some people think it's a pandemic. Some people think it's a plandemic. Some people think it's a scamdemic. There is so many voices that are telling us about what is going on. Some people say to follow the science. Some people say don't follow the science, follow the money. Some people say don't follow the money, follow the government. There is so many voices telling us what to listen to, where to go, which YouTube clip's going to change your life, what kind of thing on social media, what article's going to help you. There's so many things that are being spoken into our life in this season. It's hard to find the truth. And I think for all of us, we want the truth. At the end of the day, we want to understand, we're doing a series right now talking about end times. We don't want to know what the media tell us about that. We don't want to know what the government tells us about that. We want to know what Jesus tells us about the end times. We want to know what Jesus tells us about the seven churches in Revelation, what we need to be warned about, what we need to be encouraged about. We want to know what the Word of God says for the season that we live in right now. I'm not concerned about the voices and the opinions of others. I'm concerned about fearing God. And what does He say? And that's what the Word of God says. It clearly articulates to us some of the things that we need to understand that will happen in the end times. Some of the things we need to be aware of, some of the, the, the concerns we need to make sure that we address, the warnings that we need to take heed to. There's so many voices and it says clearly in the end times there'll be many deceptive voices. And I think for all of us, we're on a journey of truth. And I know today is going to be a challenging message as the other parts of this series have been. But today I want to speak to you from the Word of God. I want to speak to you from the perspective of what God is saying to the season that we're in. We're talking about false prophets this morning. We're part four of our biblical algorithm series. And we've never seen more prophets in our life raise their heads in this season. Some have been good. Some have been accurate. Some have been false. Some have been off. Some have been the, their own opinions. There's been many different opinions, many things that we could listen to. I've had more clips sent to me in the last couple of years from Christians all around Australia than ever before. Everyone wants to know what's going on, what's being said, what is the truth. And do you know where the truth leads us to? The truth leads us to Jesus. The truth leads us to the Word of God, and we must go to that place to find the truth. So we're going to look this morning in Revelation chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you come with me there? This is our key text this morning. Revelation chapter 2. I'll try not to offend you just yet. I'm just warming into it. Revelation chapter 2 verse 18 says this, To the angel of the church of Thyatira, right, Thyatira, sorry, Thyatira, right. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So this is the fourth letter in our series, the fourth letter to the church here, Thyatira. And this is a church in a city that is the least of the significant cities 
that I mentioned of the seven churches. It was an area that was really known for trade, a place where people would be a meeting point for trade to be able to gather together all the different areas of trade to be able to help and resource that region. And it says here, it's talking about God addressing himself. It says, these are the words of the Son of God. Now, in the times that they lived, they understood that when you were talking about the son of someone, you were talking about the likeness. So we're talking about the deity here. We're talking about God himself speaking to the church. And how does he describe himself initially? He says, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. In other words, God's saying here, my eyes can see everything. My eyes see exactly what's going on. I see all the voices. I see and I hear what people are saying. I can see the actions of the church. I know what's going on. I can see it all. And then he talks about how his feet are like burnished bronze, which was the strongest material in those times. So it was an understanding that there was a steadfastness, there was a truth, there was a strength about who was speaking to the church. When God speaks, it's truth. It can be relied upon. It's strong. It's steadfast. It's the word of God. And he says this, and I'm sure it would be challenging for us today if God spoke directly to our hearts and opened it up and he said, I know your deeds. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know your deeds. Something a bit terrifying about that, isn't there? I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. So there was a lot of things that were right about this church. They had great service. They had great patience, perseverance. They loved one another. All these things were really good. They had good deeds that were flowing out of their church. And they were doing them in increasing measure because it says here that you are now doing them more than you did at first. So there was an increase of patience. There was an increase of service and love for one another. And all these things are really good. But it goes on to say in verse 20, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. Now Jezebel wasn't actually her name. There's a reference here to the Old Testament where Jezebel was a woman that led away God's people to the prophets of Baal. So they led away God's people from living in faith in the true God to the prophets of Baal and the, and the idol of Baal. And so there's a reference here that's given. Now, this lady Jezebel, many believe to actually have been the pastor's wife. You've got to watch the pastor's wives. I may be struck down from Jezebel. (laughs) So nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. I'm always worrying about people that call themselves something. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So we know here that in this area, 
and Thyatira, there is, as I've said, it's a melting pot of trade. And so people are gathering together to make business deals. There's business unions that are happening there. And what was actually taking place is that there, in many of these places that they would meet, they would meet in temples and places where there were gods. And so they would gather together and many of the meals they would have would be sacrificed meals to the gods. There would be sexual activity that would take place in that, in that thing to kind of make deals come, come, come about and business um, transactions and partnerships kind of happening. And so it was a place where there was a lot of trade and a lot of um, economic uh, stability in a sense, but there had to be for the Christian a sense of compromise to enter into that world. In other words, if you were going to be a sculptor, for instance, you may get paid to sculpt a particular God for someone and you had to make the ethical decision, will I do that or not? Because I need money to be able to live, but that's compromising my belief to create a God that other people will worship that is not to Jesus Christ. And so there was a sense of temptation in the air to listen to deceiving voices, to compromise your faith so that you could fit in. A little bit like today. It says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Have you ever noticed a lot of deceptive voices? They're the golden bullet. They're the deep secret that you've been missing. You can't find it in the Word of God, but it's the deep secret that you must know. It's the YouTube clip you must see. It's the video that's going to enlighten you and awaken you. Mm, got quiet. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star, Jesus. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it's a challenging message, this one. It's a challenging thought that is brought across. This word here is a reminder to us that we, we shouldn't compromise. We shouldn't be deceived. We shouldn't tolerate. And there's this word tolerance that is so prevalent in our world today. And tolerance can oftentimes be watered down to accepting bad behavior or accepting sin in the act of I'm loving the person so I must be tolerant and just accept that. It's actually a falsehood because we're not called to be tolerant in the sense that we are tolerant towards sin. We are tolerant towards people and show love to people and show grace and mercy to people. And God knows we need it ourselves. 
But the challenge for us is not to tolerate sin, not to tolerate deceiving voices, not to tolerate a false prophet, not to tolerate things that are going to take us off course. The interesting thing about a false prophet is this. They're not often just saying that they're going against Jesus, saying Jesus is not true, saying that the Bible is not true. They're actually just taking a deception. They're taking 90% truth and then taking a deception that leads you on another train of thought or another area. False prophet is mostly going to sound like it's biblical until you start to actually hear some of the things that are deceptive in it. It's not necessarily, I'm against Jesus, I'm against the cross. I mean, it's not necessarily that, but it can take you on a destructive path. Now, may I just start by saying this, prophecy is powerful. I love prophecy. Prophecy strengthens, it builds, it encourages, it comforts the church. It is a gift given to us to be able to help propel us forward into our destiny as a church, propel us individually. Some of the incredible prophetic words that have been spoken of my life have been life-changing and given direction and, and, and given me encouragement in seasons where I've felt despair. So prophecy is powerful. We don't, don't want to get rid of the... Um, the baby in the bathwater here. We don't want to make sure we want to make sure we don't lose what is this powerful gift that we've been given, prophecy. And if you've got a bent towards prophecy, can I encourage you? Stir up that gift. It's not just for you. It's for the people sitting next to you. It's for the church to build the church. It is powerful. I think what's damaged the church in this season is there's been a lot of false prophecy. There has been a lot of deceptive voices. There has been a lot of things that have not come to pass that have been said. So let me let's all understand this about prophecy. Prophecy is a supernatural declaration that is seen and experienced in the natural realm. So how do you know if prophecy is not true? How do we know that? The Bible tells us. It says in Deuteronomy 18.22, If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So the bottom line is this, that if it's not from God, it won't come to pass in the natural and what we often see with a false prophet is they give a prophecy on a particular day or time that it's going to take place, and then that doesn't take place. And then they grapple to find another date or a time or a reason why that didn't take place. And here we find ourselves down a spiral of events where we start following a person and we stop holding that person accountable to the fact that we're tolerating sin, we're tolerating someone deceiving us and taking down a rabbit hole that is not true. Now, I don't want us to get so judgmental that we can never prophesy because we are all learning and growing in grace. And you notice in this passage here, it talks about how time was given to repent. And I think that's a beautiful thing because all of us make mistakes. There's been times where we've probably prophesied and it's been a Ben thing, not a God thing. There's been times where perhaps we've prophesied and it's been a how we feel thing, not how God feels about the situation thing. And those things can sometimes happen as we are learning and growing. And so we all need to understand that. 
But what I'm talking about is taking people down a deceptive path with no repentance, continuing just to go down that path and taking people with you. And gee, we've seen some of that in this season. Can I get an amen on that? We have seen some of that. What happened to Trump 2020? What happened to COVID disappearing in 2020 at Easter time? What happened to some of these timelines that people sent me messages about? People talked to me about? People spoke to me about? Why didn't these things take place? Well, I don't know the answer to those things. But all I can do is judge on what's happened in the natural. I don't have any judgments towards those people. But all I would say is go to God. This is in 2 Peter 1, it says this, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. As a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the challenge for us as the church is to be gravitating towards truth. Not opinion, not deception, not the next hype machine or the next thing that we want to focus on, but actually going to truth and understanding what does God say about these situations? What is the Word of God saying? And a prophetic word should always line up with the Word of God. When I think about someone that's prophesying, I look at their life, I look at where they're planted, I look at what they're producing, where they serve, I look at the fruit of their life. How does it taste? It's so easy to pop up on YouTube as a prophet. I could do it today. Gather followers and jump in there and start speaking things. It's really easy to do that. And even more so today, we have these platforms that we can jump up and we can cause deception for a whole lot of people. What we're told in this passage is not to tolerate false prophets. We're told very clearly, do not tolerate. So how to protect your heart and the church from a false prophet? Let's look at it this morning. The first one is this. Number one, don't tolerate what is wrong. The old military saying, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Now, I think this is a challenging one because we are in an era of church where we understand grace and love so much. And a lot of the messages that we hear and we preach and what we sing about is the love and grace of God. And we've all been recipients of that grace. But there is a challenge in the Western church for us to confront things that are wrong confront deception, confront things that are drawing us in another direction. And it's a challenging one for us because we want the love and the grace and the mercy, but sometimes we don't want the truth. Because the truth means we have to change. The truth means we have to act. The truth means we have to oftentimes confront. And it's challenging. I don't know anybody that really loves confrontation. If you do... You probably need to go and see a doctor or somebody. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 says this, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Now we see in this passage that we're talking about this key text this morning. It says, You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. You tolerate her. 
See, I think about things when it comes to raising a child. When my kids get up in the morning and they go to the freezer to grab an ice cream out for the first thing that they want to do in the morning and they want to grab a Magnum, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. It's like, are you kidding me? And, and you have to say to yourself, hey, I could allow this. I'll be the cool, grace-filled, fun parent. We'll let Jezebel get rid of all of the, uh, the discipline and all that kind of stuff and I'll just be the fun guy. I'm feeling, feeling the eyes of Jezebel, there's flaming fire. I could be that guy, I could be fun, I could just get up, I could allow it, I could, yeah, that, that's good. But I'm actually not showing love to that person or that child by doing that. Because I'm actually creating an unhealthy habit in their life. It's just a small thing, it's okay, they can have their veggies later on, but I'm just going to allow the ice cream for breakfast in the mornings every day. It's just a small erosion it's, but it's love and grace and mercy. And I think that's sometimes how things happen with false prophecies. Where we, we allow it, we love the person, don't want to say anything, that was a bit off, I, I don't really want to say anything. And we find ourselves just tolerating, tolerating, tolerating. Now what this person was doing is they were tolerating, what this church was doing is they were tolerating a person that was leading them in sin. And so the more they tolerated, the more sin was taken. The more they tolerated, the more they allowed this to take place. And before they knew it, this church was now getting summarized and spoken to and warned because of the effect of what was happening from this false prophet and the effect that was coming out from that place. You know, it says in Matthew 24, 24, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. In other words, there's going to be people that arise in our generation that try to lead us away. Now, as I said before, we are a generation that loves the connection of love, but we don't like the offense, the, the truth, perhaps, of an opportunity of correction. And I think one of the things we've got to get better at as the Western church, and I'm not particularly talking about our church but I'm just talking about as the church is, we've got to get better at when somebody challenges us, actually going to God with it and allowing us to be able to chew out the bones, so it's chew the meat, sorry, and spit out the bones of what that person said and being able to receive it and to learn from it. Because some of the greatest um, discussions that we have with people that can be confronting and hard and difficult can actually bring the most life change if we have the willingness to be able to open our ears to hear and receive, we're so quick to get offended in the Western church. Someone doesn't look at us right or say something and we don't say nothing, we just, we bounce. That's my power. I bounce. I'm out of here. I'm taking my money, I'm taking my family, and I'm out. The problem with that is you go to the next location and the next location. and I think the challenge we have is we've got to understand that we have, we've got to understand that we have got to be open to truth. Truth brings correction. Truth brings light. Truth brings freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. We want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we love the grace bit. Grace 
and truth go together. And we've got to understand those things and work on those train tracks together. The second thing is don't waver. Don't water down teaching from the Bible. It says here in Revelation 2 verse 20, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So what happens is she's made it her teaching. It's a bit like when someone gathers around someone and they become a fan of somebody. That's what's happened in this church. They are a fan of this girl that's called Jezebel by God. And they are gathering around her teaching. They're building a theology around it. They're building a structure around it. And it's like they're followers of her instead of they're followers of what the Bible says. And when they started to conflict what the Bible said and what she said, the people were deceived and went with what she said. And I think in this hour today of Christians where we've grown up with many believers coming in as the next generation, they haven't grown up in kids' church. They haven't grown up with a big Bible understanding. We have a responsibility as the church of Jesus Christ to bring biblical truth to the next generation, to not run with deceptions and ideas and philosophies and Ben's thoughts on things. But what does Jesus say? When Ben's long gone, city church will stand, not because of Ben, but because of Jesus Christ. It's got nothing to do with me. It's all built on Jesus. It's all built on the Word of God. So don't water down the teaching. Don't swing the church one way in this trend and swing it that way in that trend. Let's Live on the strength of the Word of God. See, the grace of God, it's not a license to sin. See, as a Christian, your bank account of grace has been filled. God has filled you up with forgiveness and overflowed you with grace. But it's not so you can just use that and just have a cheap grace that allows you to sin all the time and not change in your behavior not confront truth, not transform as God's called you to be, not become the disciples God's called you to be. We've got to understand that. That although it's been credited to our account, it's not a sloppy grace. I was in the car with my daughter, Georgia, who's four, and I ride motorbikes, and I, I was just driving past this, this motorbike, and I, and I said just out loud in the car, it was just me and her, I said, oh, that is a nice bike. And she said, oh, Daddy, let's buy it. I said, I don't have the money, Georgia. And she goes, oh, that's easy. You go to work and they pay you. And then, boom, you get the motorbike. I love that bit too. Boom, you get the motorbike. It was just so simple. I was like, let's go and talk to Mummy about that. And I thought about the fact that she understands a portion of what money means, but she doesn't know all of it. And I think for us as believers in this generation, we've got to be careful that we just don't understand a portion of what grace means. Grace actually transforms us. Grace leads us to truth. 
Grace leads us to righteousness and right living and holiness. Grace leads us to a lifestyle of dependence on Christ as a disciple of Jesus, as a disciplined one. Grace just doesn't allow us to just live sloppy. Grace is a transforming power to live in truth. So grace and truth together. For the time will come, it says in 2 Timothy 4, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. So the temptation's there. And not only is the temptation there, it's prophesied that it will be there. We're told beforehand that it will come. It's here. Deceptive voices are all around us. What will we do? Will we water down the teaching of God or will we accept it? Finally, this morning, don't accept the toxic influence of a false prophet if time has been given to repent and there is no change. It says here, I've given her time to repent of her immorality. But she is unwilling. So I'll cast her on a bed of suffering and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead or her followers. Then all the church will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. God knows. God searches hearts and minds. He knows your deeds as we've read about. He's coming back for his church. Where will we be found? Jesus said he's coming back. He could come back at any moment. He could come back today. He could come back next month. We don't know the day or the hour. He could come back in years' time. We don't know. We have the responsibility to be ready. And one of the things that's going to take us away from being ready is drifting along with wrong voices, being taken on currents that God is not leading us. And I say it for your good this morning. I say it for my good this morning because it's what the Word of God says. You know, there's a a hectic passage in 2 Peter 2, verse 1 to 22. And if you want to scare yourself before you go to sleep at night, read that passage. I'll read you some excerpts from it, talking about false prophets. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been heading over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains and darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the floods on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawlessness for the righteous man living among them. Day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds of he who he saw and heard. If this is so, 
then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Have you ever noticed that false prophets often despise authority? They've made themselves their own authority. I am a prophet. They're not endorsed oftentimes by anybody, but they have their own sense of endorsement. They rally against authority often. Verse 18 says, For their mouth is empty, boastful words, and by appealing to lustful desires of the flesh, they entire people, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. It says people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. In Proverbs, it says in the end in verse 22, of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. Whew. Bit of nighttime reading. I think it's challenging for all of us to look at our hearts and say, God, honestly, what deceptive voices have I allowed to guide me off path? We have voices of media. We have voices of government. We have voices of people on social media. We have, we have so many voices. God, what are you saying? It's like chatter, 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 chatter. But what does... God's voice say above it all because all of that stuff means nothing in light of eternity it's what does God say God renewing me a right spirit creating me a clean heart God what do you want to say to your church what do you want to say to me going to that place I don't want to dilute the word of God you know what was so great about King David he was called a man after God's own heart, but yet he was a murderer and he was an adulterer. How does that happen? How do you get called a man after God's own heart? But one of the things about David that is so striking is that whenever he did sin and mess up, and he did do some big mess ups, he would repent quickly. He would apologize. He would say, I'm sorry. He would come to God. And I think that's why he got that Name, a man after God's own heart. Because even though he had error and mistakes and sin, like we all do, he was quick to turn to God and repent. And what's happened in this scripture here is this woman has been given time to repent, but she's not taken that time to repent. She's continued to run off in deception. And therefore now it's become a whole toxic culture in the church. And she needs to be dealt with. And it's a reminder for all of us not to tolerate false voices, false teaching and deception because it's only going to bring destruction upon them and ultimately destruction upon us as the church. Are you challenged this morning? <laughs> Let me finish with this. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. 
Would you stand with me this morning? Don't tolerate what's wrong. Don't water down teaching from the Bible. And don't accept the toxic influence of a false prophet. If time has been given and they do not repent. Lord, this morning, I pray check our hearts. Lord, where we've wandered off with deceptive voices or theories or ideas or stories, things that are taking us on a path that's almost creating obsession in our minds, taking us ways that is going to cause us destruction and cause others destruction. God, where that's happened, I pray, address that in us. Challenge us. Just like this church in Thyatira, Lord, I pray speak to us directly so that we can repent, turn to you, listen to your voice above it all, fear God, understand you're coming back for your church. You're coming back for us. In Jesus' name, amen. He's coming back. He is coming back. Our theology and our lifestyle has got to line up with the fact that we need to be ready for him to come back. Before Arnold Schwarzenegger said it, he said it, I'll be back. Let's be ready. Come on, let's worship as we just let this word go in our hearts this morning.